You give Teller from Jerusalem 20 minutes, and he'll give you the education of a lifetime. King of the storytellers and the Shakespeare of the Torah world, here is Rabbi Hanok Teller. Welcome, everyone, to Teller from Jerusalem. We are at Season 2, Episode 39. This will be our final episode for this season. So take a listen to the podcast where you always walk away better educated and with a huge smile on your face. And now, here is an important announcement. As our clever sound engineer Howard the Cheetah Felsen pointed out, we've been in season two for at least two years. So in order to rectify this inaccuracy, this will be the concluding episode of season two, and then we're going to take a break and get ready for season four. We will be back on the air, God willing, on March 6, 2024, with another exciting interview with Rabbi Stephen Weil as he explicates part two of Doomsday with an in-depth look at the elite Red One force of Hezbollah. We now resume our last episode from our character series, which is a continuation of the life and times of the extraordinary Rabbi Yehuda Kelimer, who served for 38 years as the Rabbi Young Israel of West Hempstead, New York. For the full story about Rabbi Kelimer, head over to my website, hanochteller.com, hanachteller.com, where you can still buy this new release entitled, If Not Higher, at a huge discount. And you'll also get free postage and shipping, a policy that I'm definitely going to phase out in the spring, as the postage and the packaging tally $7. So hurry up while this is still on the house. We left off talking about Rabbi Kellimer and his driving skills, or really lack of driving skills. And uh, Rabbi Kellimer's son, Beryl, pointed out to me that he can't be totally blamed for her not being the best driver. He is teachers in driving. His driving instructors were the boys in Tells, Tells Yeshiva. They are noted for many things, but not their driving expertise. It's sort of a double whammy. As we can say in Yeshiva talk, Chefza and Gavra, it's the object and it's also the, the person. Rabbi Kellimer only drove old, hardly roadworthy jalopies, was referred to in the colloquial parlance as a yeshiva shakar, which is a euphemistic expression for a vehicle whose ride has the smoothness of a contraption engineered by John Deere and was as aerodynamic as the Hoover Dam. One day, young Israel of West Hempstead provided Rabbi Kellimer with a new car. And we're talking about nothing more outlandish than a Chevy Malibu. Someone told me it was a cutlass, but for the uninitiated, a Malibu gives a Kia Rio a run for the money. We're talking about entry, entry, entry level. But even, yeah, 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 even this modest Malibu was just too much. And the following day, Rabbi Kellimer drove to the shul in his Alta Jalopy. The people in this shul were incredulous. How in the world did he pull this off? Rabbi Kellerman knew how to convert straw into gold, but not the reverse. So the rabbi, matter of fact, responded, and he applied that same reasoning we'll get to in just a moment, how in the world can I drive a new car? There are people in the community who can't afford to pay tuition. There are people in the community who can't afford to pay their utility bills. How am I going to drive a new car? And likewise, when they tried to raise his salary because of his ever-expanding family, he said, how can I take a larger salary? There's people in the community who can't send their kids to summer camp. There's people who can't afford the basic necessities. How in the world can I take a raise in my salary? 
Now, Rame Kellerman's cars always, always broke down. Matter of fact, they broke down often, but usually they were better timed than on the eve of Sabbath. It was really close to sundown, and there was no time to call the cavalry. The rabbi unloaded his pockets and set out by, and put them in the car and set out by foot to West Hempstead from Lindbrook, which is about three miles away. The rabbi, yeah, 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 yeah. He was working his way to town along the malevolent crevasse known as Sunrise Highway, or in this instance, Sundown Highway. Conceivably, there could be no worse weather to walk along Sunrise Highway. For the uninitiated, there is something extraordinarily Orwellian in the name Sunrise Highway. I want to tell you that I'm somewhat put off by the names of New York highways. I find them Orwellian. They are pompous. They have no connection. Uh, Why in the world do they call it the Van Wyck Expressway? It's the Van Wicked. There's nothing express about it whatsoever. Uh, Just one week ago, I was driving back from Jersey to New York on the Cross Bronx Expressway. I could have crossed the Bronx by foot quicker than the Cross Bronx Expressway. And the names are so Orwellian and pompous. And there's a story that this uh, Jewish fellow wanted to get into one of these very elaborate, waspy country clubs. And he applied, and everything seemed to be going well. He said, one last question, sir. sir. What's your religion? He said, I'm Jewish. He said, I'm sorry, there's no more room for you. Uh, we're all, you can't apply. But he really wanted to get in. So he waited two years, and then he adopted one of these very pompous, non-Jewish-sounding names like Henry Hutchinson Parkway III. And he applied, yes, what's your name? Henry Hudson Parkway III. Ooh, very good, very good. Mr. Henry Hudson Parkway III, where do you live? I have an estate in Westchester. I raise horses. What do you do for a living? I have a seat on the stock exchange. One last question, sir. What's your religion? My religion? Why I'm not Jewish. <laughs> okay. So uh, I can't take it. The Sunrise Highway, it's just such a, why do they call it this? Any self-respecting stellar intergalactic twinkling celestial body would keep its distance from the least pedestrian-friendly road in America. So here he is walking along this noisy, polluted artery where vapor trails assault and envelop and road detritus spews out like spray from a hydrant wrenched open in the summer. And, of course, it begins to rain. And it's raining and raining and pouring. And cars and trucks are speeding down sunrise. And in retribution, the automobiles and trucks spray the water collected on the roadbed at the lone pedestrian with the rain-drenched black hat trudging along the side of the road as the wind blew plastic bags and candy wrappers about his ankles. By the time Rabbi Kellmer finally arrived at West Hempstead, the rabbi slushed directly to a local celebration. It was after three, three hours after the synagogue had already closed. It was by appetite he should have gone home, but there was a Shalom Zohar. And what wouldn't he do to participate in a local celebration? So he walked in there and he looked like he had just emerged from the Atlantic Ocean. And he said the following, because he had a very warm sense of humor. He said, I'm so sorry I'm late, but there are cops all along the way handing out tickets, and therefore I couldn't afford to walk quickly. The boys from DRS, that's a local high school in Long Island, were putting on a wedding from soup to nuts. They called them chesed weddings. And uh, they did everything voluntarily for any couple which was not able to afford a wedding on their own. And everything was going well until they came to the ketubah, the marriage document, and it became problematic because the groom himself had bought the wedding doc, the, the, the ketubah, in a local Judaica store, and it was a normal conventional garden variety ketubah. But this was not a normal conventional wedding as it was a convert marrying a convert. So they went to Rabbi Kellimer 
and without blinking an eye, he turned over the Ketubah, and on its back he wrote, by heart, a document, an Aramaic, that no one I know can say from it three words in a row. By memory, he said it. And the wedding took on, took off, and there wasn't a hitch, there wasn't a hiccup. There was a member of Rabbi Kellimer's synagogue who was in Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in Upper Manhattan who had very complicated questions that required hands-on protracted involvement on an Arab Shabbos on a Friday afternoon. Rabbi Kellimer remained in the hospital as late as he possibly could to offer counsel and solace and then dashed outside to hail a cab. He instructed the driver where he desired to go but there wasn't a prayer that he could get there, or even close, before the onset of the Sabbath. The rooting was not helped by the very inclement conditions. If one had to pick all of the circumstances for a perfect Friday afternoon nightmare, this was not missing a single component. If you were ever stuck in traffic on a Friday afternoon, just before Sabbath is coming in, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can age five years. I once thought I was going to spend the entire Shabbos on the Gothel's Bridge with a car filled with at least 12 of my kids. Just thinking about it gives me the screaming memes. So there he is, in the blinding rain. The driver was unfriendly, barely communicative in English. Traffic was building up to stop and go at the good spots. And the sun was dipping like there was no tomorrow. Certainly, no more today. Rabbi Kellerman rode the cab as far as he possibly could they're having to abandon ship, which is a rather apt analogy considering the flooding all over the roadways. Rabbi Kellimer thanked the driver for the adventure, then hurriedly stepped out to the deluge, lumbering eastward toward Long Island. Well, what will it be, Rabbi Kellimer probably asked himself. The Cross Island Parkway, the Grand Central, or the Southern State? It was now Shabbos, and although his body was nowhere near a synagogue, his head was already in a heavenly sphere. He later said when he arrived in West Hempstead, after midnight, he met a boy who had come to ask him a question. He said, I had a gewaldige walk. I had a terrific, fantab walk. For along the way, I comprehended an answer to a question of Rabbi Kiva Eger on Tzachim. Now, if we can, let's try and engage in antipodal conjecture. First, let's give some background. The bar in the yeshiva world is a question posed by Rebbe Kiva Eger. Rebbe Kiva Eger lived in the 17th century. He asked the most piercingly analytical questions. He asked the questions, and he could not come up with an answer. And if he couldn't answer them, yeah, 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 they've always remained a mystery. And yet, Rabbi Kellmer thought of an answer. That's what he was thinking about as he was trudging through this storm on the Cross Island Parkway. Now, let's try and imagine, what would be the most conducive environment to think of an answer to a question posed by Rebbe Kiva? Rivki Vegar. Clearly would have to be yeshiva with many, many books and many scholars, and now antipodal conjecture. Where would be the worst place to figure out an answer to a question? 
That would have to be a boisterous, chaotic trudge through freezing rain as trucks gushed tidal waves at the banks of the roadway. Exhaust fumes choked the air. It would be challenging in such a milieu to even remember your name. Alas, thus testified the man of truth. It was an enjoyable walk. Indeed, Givaldic, from among all the pandemonium of the Grand Central Parkway, where the noisy and smelly traffic roared like the surf, trudging and slashing Rabbi Kellimer was a million miles away. His feet were plunging into rivulets, but his mind was prancing in paradise, joined by Abaye and Rava, Rav and Ravashi, Rabbi Kivager, and the Pnei Yoshua. Together with them, he was singularly focused upon plumbing the very depths of the Torah. On the banks of the Southern State Parkway, he accomplished what only a select few can, and every generation can ever accomplish in a base medrash. He resolved the question of Rebbe Akiva Eger. In 1984, the OU created Yachad, a platform of inclusion between NCSY teens and young adults with developmental disabilities. The program was anchored through Shabbatonim, always central to the NCSY experience. Nations Yachad was hunting for a community and arrived to embrace them. They hit gold with young Israel of West Hempstead under the trailblazing guidance of Rabbi Kellimer, as this was recorded so poignantly by Rabbi Rafi Butler in a tablet article. This was the kind of attention that none of these Yachad youngsters with their disabilities had ever experienced before. As he called out before this, the prayers began, he went over to each youngster and he asked them, What is your name? Many, many youngsters. When he began his sermon, he called out each and every one of them sitting in the pews throughout the synagogue. He welcomed them. These kids, never having received such attention before, began to burst into smiles, and their eyes began to become moist. As they were becoming moist, everyone else in the synagogue, their eyes began to swim, turning that Shabbos into a Kleenex classic. There was a woman from West Hempstead whose mother was in Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in Manhattan, when Hurricane Sandy hit. Hurricane Sandy crashing on shore, winds now at 90 miles per hour, and this storm is so big, so vast, 60 million Americans will feel its power. Before I came to ABC News, I covered New York weather for 25 years. I have never seen water in Lower Manhattan. There is water now on the streets in Lower Manhattan. This woman had no way to go to the city to visit her mother because of the very severe weather, and she apologetically called up her mom and excused it's impossible, Mom. I can't come and see you today. Her mother responded, Don't worry. It's okay. Rabbi Kellimer is here with me. And the woman said, Rabbi Kellimer, I have to speak to him. Put him on the phone. She got on the phone and said, Rabbi Kellimer, how in the world were you able to get into the city? And Rabbi Kellimer responded, I happen to be in the neighborhood. He responded so nonchalantly that it actually rang true. And I'm keeping your mother company and we're singing Majus Zemiras together. So there's no need to worry. Okay.
You heard the broadcaster said, broadcaster said about Hurricane Sandy, but nothing, nothing could stop Rabbi Kellimer. One Shabbat morning, Rabbi Kellimer walked to a different synagogue to wish a family Mazel Tov on their son's bar mitzvah. It was clearly not taking place in his synagogue. So he walked over to the other synagogue. When he arrived, the rabbi of that synagogue was delivering a sermon. So Rabbi Kellimer waited outside so as not to cause commotion upon entering the synagogue. Meanwhile, yeah, 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 yeah. A woman from a different community entered the building, looking very confused. She approached Rabbi Kellimer, and she started tapping him on his arm, and she said, Tell me, do you know if there's a bar mitzvah over here? And he said, Yes, yes, the bar mitzvah is here. And he didn't flinch as she was tapping away. And then instead of tapping, she was already tethered to his arms. Rabbi Kellimer answered affirmatively and pleasantly asked her her name. Meanwhile, at this point, the woman was just totally tethered to the rabbi. The woman replied that, and then... Rabbi Kellimer, the woman said her name, and then she said, what is your name? And he said, using his legal name, because he didn't want to blow his cover, Jordan. He didn't want to identify himself as the rabbi of the community. And she said, Jordan what? What, she wanted to know. And he responded, Jordan, Clummer. Clummer? Clummer. What is your name? Clummer. Clummer? Clummer. Now, Rabbi Kellimer never went to Foggy Bottom. He was never taught the ways of the FBI or the CIA or surreptitious clandestine behavior. And, but he was trying to keep his cover. And he said, Clurr, Clurr. And finally he mumbled, Satovachi, Jordan Kellimer, fervently hoping not to blow his cover. And then this woman said, oh, I heard there's a really nice rabbi in this community named Rabbi Kellimer. Do you know him? And... Rabbi Kellimer said, uh, yes, uh, I've heard about him. He said very hesitantly, this was not heading in the right direction. And she said, wait a second, are you Rabbi Kellimer? And then she abruptly untethered. Rabbi Kellimer froze with a funereal, I'm sorry for your lost face. There was nothing he wanted less than to disclose his identity and embarrass this woman. <laughs> A clever bystander, of which there is never a shortage, those moronic, imbecilic, idiotic people that are always there to volunteer information when you never want them volunteered. Why, this is indeed Rabbi Kellner right here. And the namesake cringed in agony. Oh, my goodness, the woman gasped. I'm so sorry I tapped your arm. I heard of the nicest things about you. I'm so glad that I bumped into you. In West Hempstead, the Talit family like many, many families, basically were planning their son's bar mitzvah for about 13 years. They had arranged all kinds of ways for their family to come in from far and wide and for guests to come and join them, and then the pandemic hit. They even had bought decorations to help beautify the synagogue. But with COVID-19, there was to be no bar mitzvah in the synagogue, basically no bar mitzvah at all. There was no minion. There's no reading of the Torah. There was no reciting the sermon which he had, the bar mitzvah boy had already memorized, and uh, just a nuclear family. And then there was a total rainstorm. We're talking about super, super rainstorm. And in the middle of this downpour, registering somewhere between a downburst and a microburst, there was a knock on the door. My copy editor asked me if it always rains in West Hempstead. And the knocking wasn't very loud, but it was consistent. 
And now this was totally inexplicable because we're at the early stage of pandemic when people are afraid of their shadows and no one went to a neighbor's house, certainly not when braving weather that would have been challenging for a four-wheel drive vehicle. The knock was so inexplicable that at first it was ignored, but it was persistent, albeit soft. Michal Talit, the mother of the Ramitzah boy, went to the door, and there was Rabbi Kellimer. Now, Rabbi Kellimer was in a horrific accident where a truck barreled over him, and it's a miracle that he survived being run over. It's a miracle that he retained his brilliance, it's a miracle that he retained his brain, a miracle that he was able finally to walk again. But there he was, standing outside her door, and the pouring rain, barely vertical, with his walker, without an aid or an assistant. And in the midst of this downpour was hardly recuperated Rabbi Kellimer. His black hat afforded him no protection from the battering of the rain, and he struggled to remain 180 degrees with his walker. Dumbstruck, Michal could not emit a single word in reaction to the most touching gesture of her lifetime. Rabbi Kellimer's face erupted into a sunny crescent and blessed, Good Shabbos. I just wanted to wish Mazel Tov and tell you how proud we are of your son Joseph. In the background, in the sky, forks of lightning were electrified the cloud-laden sky. But on this block in West Hempstead, it was therapeutic sunshine that only Rabbi Kellimer knew how to administer. When it came to people's feelings, Rabbi Kellimer was the ultimate rainmaker. Michal was so taken by the appearance of Rabbi and the rabbi and the Shabbos that was so disappointing to them after all that planning that she could not even speak. A lump just lodged itself in her throat. Her eyes began to swim, and she nodded as if to say good Shabbos, and she closed the door, and she ran upstairs to an unobstructed view where her windows meet on the corner house where she was because she wanted to get a great view of this rabbi hobbling away on his walker, and he had vanished to his next angelic mission. Okay, we ran out of time, so we didn't conclude this time, but stay tuned, everybody, for next. Uh, we're going to have our break, like we said. We're going to go into Season 4, and uh, remember to pick up your copy of the book, If Not Higher, about Rabbi Kellimer. To get a deeper understanding, get two books. And thank you very much for our sound engineer, the very clever Howard Tachita Felsen. I look forward to resuming with you all Season 4, and if you care about someone, Tell them to listen to Teller from Jerusalem. Thanks for listening to Teller from Jerusalem, where this series takes a never-fail approach how to inculcate good character. Spread knowledge by giving us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. Join us next time for a brand new episode, and be sure to visit tellerfromjerusalem.com. You can find more details about this show and other useful information. Check out the site store, and just by inserting the TFJ code, you will receive an additional 10% discount off the already very reduced price of all Hanoch Teller products, books, lectures, and documentaries. And remember, don't forget, you can get Teller from Jerusalem on any podcast platform or go to telefromjerusalem.com.